Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on July 31st, 2016, on the basis of Mark 6, verses 46 through 55. Look familiar? I'm starting to think that by the end of this series, some of you will probably never want to see that diagram ever again. Once again, that pyramid is what's known as the hierarchy of human need. The name of the man who first introduced it? Abraham Maslow in the year? 1943. Very good. 1943, Abraham Maslow. That pyramid depicts the hierarchy of human need. When we started this series two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus calls himself our shepherd, which means that he not only knows all of those different layers of need that we have, he, he makes it his job to provide for them. Last week, as we continued the series, we talked mainly about the very bottom layer, our physiological needs like food, air, and water. As we talked about the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, we talked about how Jesus uses us, just like he did his disciples, to meet those physiological needs of other people. Today, we're, we're moving on up. Layer number two, safety. Your personal security, your protection against attack, and accident, and injury, your health, your financial well-being. So let me ask, as you live from day to day, most of the time, do you feel pretty safe? I'm here today to tell you that you shouldn't. If, if you are walking around with an unlock password on your smartphone. Yeah, so you thought you were just keeping the kids out of the phone so that they wouldn't buy all kinds of expensive games in the app store. You didn't know the grave danger you were putting yourselves in. Think about it. You get into some sort of accident and need emergency medical treatment. The paramedics arrive, but they have no idea whether you have some sort of special medical condition or who they can call to find out because your phone is locked and they can't get in. Well, thankfully, as is the case with a lot of things, they make an app for that an app that allows some of that emergency medical information to be accessible on your phone, even when your phone is locked. And that app is called ICE. Do you know what ICE is? Not as in, oh, I, I fell and sprained my ankle and so I need some ICE, but I-C-E in case of emergency, right? And whether we get that app for our phone or not, whether you believe me that you're in grave danger if you have an unlocked password on your phone or not, we see those words all the time, don't we? In case of emergency, push this button, pull this lever, break this glass, call this phone. And of course, when we see those things, we hope that we never have to do them. We hope that those things are only in case of emergency. We hope that those words can just be posted on some sign on some wall and we can just walk by each and every day without ever having to worry about them or see them or do what they say because, because we want to avoid emergencies, right? Well, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when it comes to our safety our protection and security and health and financial well-being, is it fair to say that very often we take an ice approach with our Savior Jesus? As in Jesus, it's good to know that you're there and I'll let you know if I need you, but everything seems to be going okay right now, so just stand by. Just 
stay on call. As we turn our attention to these verses from the Gospel of Mark today, we're going to see that Jesus has a much better plan for our lives. As we talk about this topic of safety and look at this miracle of Jesus walking on water, what we're going to learn about is Jesus' emergency safety plan for our lives. So we look at this story, and the very first thing that you need to know is that the disciples, Jesus' 12 disciples, are not the ones in an emergency. Sure, they're in a boat trying to make their way across a body of water. And yes, there is a storm. But the last time we talked about Jesus' disciples being in a storm, that storm was about to sink the boat. That was an emergency. Earlier on this very same day, they were standing in front of a crowd of 20,000 hungry people. You might say that was an emergency. But here, Jesus had simply asked them to cross from one side of the lake to the other. The very lake that they had grown up on learning the trade of being fishermen. Sure, they encountered some choppy water along the way. We're told that they were heading into the wind. And yes, they had been rowing for maybe as much as 12 hours and had only made it halfway, but their lives were not in danger. This was not an emergency. This was just an inconvenience. In contrast, Jesus was actually the one who was in a bit of an emergency. You see, after he had fed those 20,000 people, do you know what they wanted to do with Jesus? They wanted to hoist him up on their shoulders. They wanted to march straight to Jerusalem and they wanted to crown Jesus their king. In other words, Jesus was being offered fame, wealth, and power. Very different from the plan with which he had come into the world, the one that included suffering, crucifixion, and death. That presented a bit of an emergency for Jesus. Notice how the very first word in these verses is immediately. As in immediately, Jesus needed to separate himself and his disciples from that crowd of people that wanted to crown him king. So he sent the disciples in the boat and he went up on a mountainside all by himself to pray. We're going to see in the next couple of weeks that that this was actually a, sort of a crucial moment in Jesus' ministry. He had the choice between fame, wealth, and power, or suffering, crucifixion, and death. That was what he was thinking about as he went up that mountainside by himself to pray. In other words, emergency for Jesus, non-emergency for his disciples, and yet notice what happens. From where he was standing on the shore, Jesus could see those disciples in the boat. And Mark tells us that he saw them straining at the oars. They weren't sinking. They were just sweating. And yet still, Jesus drops everything, in spite of everything that he had on his mind and on his plate, simply to be with them, to be by their side, to help them out. And so he just walks right out on the water to do so. Friends, here's the the very first part of Jesus' emergency safety plan for our lives. Even when it doesn't seem like an emergency, it is. And here's what I mean by that. So often it's easy for us to think that even if something is slowing us down in life, as long as it's not threatening our lives, we think we've got things under control. And so we're not going to push that Jesus button until we really, really need it. Jesus has a different plan. 
Jesus wants to be there right by our side every moment of every day. He wants to, us to want him to be there even when it doesn't seem like it's an emergency. It's not a surprise to hear a pastor say that, is it? That Jesus should be a part of every facet of your life, that you should talk to Jesus all the time in prayer, that you should listen to Jesus all the time by reading your Bibles at home, by, by coming here to hear God's word, that you should dine with Jesus all the time by regularly coming to the meal to which he so graciously invites us. Don't wait for an emergency. Have Jesus part of your life every moment of every day. No surprise, right? And yet here's the really cool thing that these verses teach. That any attempt that we might make to sort of ratchet up the intensity with which we want to be with Jesus is just a very feeble attempt to mimic and to match the intensity with which he wants to be with us. I mean, think how often in our lives we wonder whether that's really the case about a person. Does that cute boy over there really like me as much as I like him? Does that popular girl over there want to be my friend as much as I want to be hers? Am I coming on too strong? Am I being too pushy? We never once have to wonder that about spending time and having Jesus by our side. Right in this most crucial moment of his ministry, he sets everything aside, stops his personal time simply so that he can be with his disciples. He makes it an emergency for him to always be right by our side, even when it doesn't seem like an emergency to us. But why? Why do you think that's important? To have Jesus by your side, even when things seem to be going relatively well. Well, it's so that it doesn't happen to us what happened to these disciples. We read on in the story and we eventually see that the disciples are very much in an emergency. They very much push the panic button in a big way. But did you notice? It's not because of the storm. It's actually because of Jesus. They see this dark, shadowy figure walking on the water toward them, and they absolutely freak out. They start running through in their minds what it could possibly be. They start at the top of the list, and they say, well, obviously it can't be a person. It obviously can't be Jesus because people don't walk on water, so let's cross that one off. Next on the list, maybe I'm just seeing things. Maybe it's an illusion. But then they realize everyone in the boat is seeing the very same thing. So it's not a real person. It's not an illusion. That leaves, well, that leaves ghost. Okay, let's go with ghost. Think about that for a second. Earlier that very same day, they had seen Jesus prove that the normal laws of nature did not apply to him. He had turned five loaves and two fish into a meal for 20,000 people with lots of leftovers. And yet when they see him on the lake, they not only conclude that it can't possibly be him, but they come up with an even more ridiculous explanation for what it really is. Friends, there are spirits in our world. There are good spirits called angels. There are evil spirits called demons. But there is no such thing as a ghost. 
That's why we need Jesus by our side at all times, so that doesn't happen to us. So that when we see things that are difficult for us to understand, tough for us to explain, circumstances that are challenging for us to deal with, so that we don't come up with our own ridiculous explanations and answers. Like these. No matter how hard I work and no matter how sensibly I try to spend my money, I just can't get out from under these bills. I guess I must need to pray harder and believe more strongly. I guess I must be doing this whole religion thing wrong. Otherwise, Jesus would be blessing me more. Right. And it must be a ghost. Or what about this? I get a a sudden unexpected diagnosis from the doctor or suffer a tragic accident and I guess, I guess I must have done something wrong. I guess karma finally came back to get me. Right. And it must be a ghost. Or like this, no matter how hard I work and no matter how much I try and conduct all of my business above, above board, everyone else seems to be getting ahead faster. And so I'm just going to abandon that. I'm just going to, to cut corners and lie and cheat and steal my way ahead. Right. And it must be a ghost. It must be a ghost is what prompted Jesus to unveil the second part of his emergency safety plan. Notice again how Mark uses that word immediately. There they are, panicking in the boat, concluding that it must be a ghost. And it says, immediately Jesus spoke to them. And he said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. In other words, when they couldn't trust what their eyes were seeing, Jesus wanted them to listen to his words. And his message was simply this. Even when it seems like an emergency, it really isn't. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, this is one of those instances where it's important to sort of get behind the English translation of Jesus' words. Those very first words that Jesus spoke, a more literal translation would be, I am. Jesus said, I am. Now, we hear those words and we think, I am what? (laughs) Finish the sentence, Jesus. A Jewish person heard those words and he knew exactly what Jesus meant. Those two words, I am, that was the very specific proper name that God told his people to refer to him by. You might remember God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And he said, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to deliver my people out of slavery. Moses said, well, who should I say sent me? God's answer, I am. That's my name. And so when Jesus says, I am, he is very clearly claiming to be fully God and claiming to possess every attribute that God has. In fact, that name, I am, highlights all kinds of attributes and characteristics of our God. Let's talk about two. First of all, by calling himself I am, Jesus is making it clear that for him, everything is in the eternal present. In other words, with Jesus, there is no past, present, and future. Jesus exists completely outside of and independent of time. It's a little bit hard to grasp, but what that means is this. It means that the future, 
your future is not just a thing that Jesus already knows about. It's more like a place where Jesus already is. Does the future ever scare you? Does the uncertain and the unknown ever make you anxious? Yeah, me me too. Know that Jesus, I am, is already there. By referring to himself as I am, Jesus also makes it clear that he exists outside of and independent of external forces. In other words, those disciples go up against a strong headwind, it's going to slow them down. Wouldn't slow down Jesus. Normally, the downward force of gravity compared to the smaller upward force of a body of water causes a person to sink. Not so with Jesus. He exists completely outside of and independent of all external forces. He does as he will. Do those external circumstances in your life ever cause you to feel unsafe, to get frustrated with the progress you're making, or to even feel as though your life is in jeopardy? Know that Jesus, I am, is not affected by any of them. And friends, here's the really great news. That as Jesus claims to be fully God and to possess every characteristic that God possesses, we already have proof for how Jesus will put them to use. Again, think about what had happened. That crowd wanted to crown him king. They wanted to give him fame and wealth and power. He had to choose between that and suffering, crucifixion, and death. What did he do? He stayed the course. In fact, what did he do? The very same Jesus who could keep his feet from sinking down into the water eventually willingly allowed those very same feet to be crushed by the nails that were being driven through them. Allowed thorns to be pressed into his scalp. Allowed a spear to tear open his side. All so that you would know that when he says, don't be afraid, you can take him at his word. Have there been times in your life when you've treated Jesus like that in case of emergency button? Called on him in prayer when you really, really needed it but otherwise kept him at a distance? Don't be afraid. That sin was paid for by Jesus' death on the cross. Have there been times when circumstances have gotten difficult, challenging, or even scary? And have you doubted whether the one who can walk on water could also take care of you? If so, don't be afraid. Jesus paid for that sin with his death on the cross. Are there times when it feels as though your health is like this house of cards that's slowly crumbling down and eventually leading to death? If so, don't be afraid. Jesus has destroyed death and has brought the gift of eternal life. And in the meantime, in the meantime, just like Jesus' disciples, we don't have to believe our eyes. We can instead listen to his voice. And again, that doesn't mean ignoring reality. That simply means that what we see with our eyes is just a small fraction of reality. That as we look at circumstances and try and come up with explanations and answers for what's going on in our life, it's kind of like we're looking at one tiny piece of a giant, complicated puzzle. 
one tiny piece, and we're trying to figure out what it is and what God's plan for our life is, we can know with absolute certainty that there is someone who sees the whole thing. And not only does someone see the whole thing, but the one who sees the whole thing is Jesus. I am. The one who could walk on water and the one who took those same feet and willingly walked to the cross. Rather than believing our eyes, listen when Jesus says, It is I. Don't be afraid. In other words, even when it seems like it's an emergency, with Jesus in the boat by our side, it isn't. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. Thank you.